from HerbMentor.com, this is Herb Mentor Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Herb Mentor Radio. Uh, this is John Gallagher from Herb Mentor and LearningHerbs.com, and today my guest is James Youngworth uh, from Nature Spirit Herbs in Williams, Oregon. I met James last year at the Northwest Herb Fest, and I uh, did this great interview with him, but then the file got corrupted, so maybe I should just go back to using uh, audio tape. But the good news is that James uh, agreed to be interviewed again. Um, James and his wife, Kari, um, are wildcrafters, herbalists, and when you go to naturespiritherbs.com, you see a very simple, elegant site. Just download their catalogs to see an impressive list of their wildcrafted herbs and their remedies. Um, Though uh, I want to ask James a, a question or two about wildcrafting, I was, I was really interested in what James had to say about sea vegetables. Some folks call them seaweeds, but uh, we call, um, a more um, correct term would be sea, <coughs> excuse me, sea vegetables. Um, and his um, table at the festival was just lined with these beautiful dried sea vegetables um, that were all harvested by by himself. And um, James, I guess your your wife too does that with you, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and probably apprentices and, <laughs> and whatnot. And uh, it was really it was really amazing amazing to see just that loving care put into uh, put into the work. So if anyone's ever ordered uh, sea vegetables from uh, Mountain Rose Herbs, you might have very well ordered James and Carrie's work there. So how's it going, James? Uh, good, thanks. Great. And um, to many of our listeners here, uh, well, they don't really live by the ocean. Um, but I do want to ask some harvesting questions. But to, just to start off with, why would um, someone want to incorporate sea vegetables into their lives? Well, I mean that's a, a difficult one to answer in a in a reasonable mm-hmm. amount of time. But you know, uh, to to try to um, you know make it short or whatever. Uh, mm. First of all, hey, we've got nothing but time here. We're, we don't have any commercial breaks. <laughs> Okay. Well, sea vegetables are like a, you know, as far as a source of vitamins, I mean, of minerals, are one of the most, you know, I would say without a doubt are the most, you know, concentrated source of minerals and trace minerals of anything we have, any natural thing we have to eat on this planet. Um, You know, pretty much every element that exists is found in them, every natural element, that is. Um, And so, you know, all of our minerals and trace minerals, uh, you know, uh, basically our our blood is like, you know, we we, we have an internal ocean. We keep all of our uh, cells bathed in in, uh, 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 a mixture of minerals that's, you know, uh, somewhat similar to seawater, and the easiest way to replenish our inner ocean is by eating uh, seaweed. Basically, it's got the, the uh, pretty good ratio of uh, elements, you know, in relation to what our blood is. And uh, um, you know, some of the most important, you know, minerals, you know, in the macro minerals would be like potassium. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, calcium, magnesium, sodium, uh, you know, that are often very useful in treating a number of different, you know, or preventing a number of different nervous system conditions. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people, uh, you know, notice improvements with, you know, things like muscle spasms or blood sugar, uh, you know, hyperactivity or you know, ADD, depression, insomnia, often often they're related to uh, mineral deficiencies. And so if they are, then seaweed will often help with things like that. Uh, oh. And, uh, you know, and the, all these minerals are really alkalizing in the body and help your body conserve uh, calcium in your bones and tissues. Uh, mm-hmm. So it would also be a you know, a way of keeping your, your bone density up of just by maintaining a constant, you know, uh, abundance of minerals in your blood, alkalizing minerals. Um, oh, gosh, uh, the seaweeds, uh, especially the brown seaweeds, are all really high in iodine. 
and uh, iodine is a you know essential to thyroid function. Uh, healthy uh, as well as healthy salivary glands and uh, breast tissue and uh, ovaries and uh, testes. You know, it's a, mm. those are the places where your body concentrates iodine and uses it. Um, and seaweeds have been used for thousands of years for preventing thyroid problems and in treating thyroid problems, like low thyroid, uh, goiter, you know, with, with the slow metabolism and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it, uh, what would you say? Uh, all over the world, people have been using seaweeds for for you know, maintaining or, uh, you know, their, whether they understood it or not, you know, uh, their, their iodine levels in their bodies and preventing thyroid disease that way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I could go on and on about the thyroid component, but I'm just kind of giving an outline here, you know. Um, right, right. So uh, what, what, what do you mean, which do you mean by brown, which which would be examples of brown seaweeds or, or uh, sea vegetables or... Yeah, well, you, you know, of the ones that, that <laughs> you know, of the ones that we sell, um, ones like kombu, wakami, um, bull kelp or kelp fronts, sea palm, bladderack, those are all brown seaweeds. Most of the seaweeds in the market are brown seaweeds. Um and then there's red seaweeds, which would be ones like dulse, nori, um, and then the 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 different uh, you know uh, what we call red marine algae, which are red seaweeds like gigantina and and other uh, or grapestone, also known as gigantina, uh, are all red seaweeds or red marine algae. And you know they've got a little different you know nutritional and and you know, uh, therapeutic profile. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are two different classes, or phyla, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if some of the benefits that health benefits we're talking about, um, would we get some of those in the red seaweeds, like the nori or the dulse too? Because I know a lot of people know about nori from from uh, from sushi. sushi or something, right? Or, right, and and there's also the green. Uh, uh, Seaweeds, um, you know. So there's like red red marine algae, which is rhodophyta, brown marine algae, which is phaophyta, and uh, the green marine algae, which is chlorophyta. Um, sea lettuce is the only widely used green seaweed, um, and you know that's got a, a whole other uh, nutritional profile. Uh, I don't harvest any green seaweeds. Uh, we have sea lettuce out on our coast, but it just doesn't keep very well. It turns bitter after some months in storage. So. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, I think you might want. All right. But anyway, so the brown the brown seaweeds are, uh, uh, you know, probably the highest in minerals, and they've got, uh, um, you know, the different kinds of gels or or uh, polysaccharides. Um, than the reds do, and so they have you know different you know, and they have different strengths and weaknesses as far as minerals and so on. You know, like the reds tend to have more iron and and less potassium. You know, like like that. You know. Um, what 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 what's one brown, um, what's one brown seaweed that uh, that's uh, you know that if someone was just going to take one or two. Kinds or, or something, you know, because they want to incorporate it in their diet. Um, to keep right. it simple, what would you recommend? Kelp or something like that? Or well, if if a person was going to be eating, if they want a snackable brown seaweed, mm-hmm. then there's ones like kelp fronds or sea palm, mm-hmm. you know, that you can just snack on as a you know easy way to you know get them into your diet every day. And, and my kids love it. I'll, we'll keep a little bit out there, and they'll go by, and they'll just eat the kelp, you know. Yeah, kids kids love dried seaweed. You know, they're often ambivalent about cooked seaweed, but they almost universally love to nibble on uh, dried seaweed. Um, and then uh, for cooking, uh, probably wakami is probably the, the, would be the, you know, wakami or kombu would be 
the two main ones for cooking with. Great. And, you know, in, in general, I would just encourage people to eat the kinds of seaweed they like to eat. Um, you know, ideally get some brown and some red seaweed so you get a variety. Um, mm-hmm. But but just to, to eat the kinds you like to eat because they're all so, you know, so nutritional. You know. Now, now that, lead, that leads me to what I'd like to, like, explore next, which is, okay, people know we've we, we mentioned some health benefits, you know, it's like, yeah, this is obviously something that's going to be really nourishing for us. And I was just getting started on the health benefits. Oh, oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, go ahead, get, get going. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let me stop you. <laughs> go ahead. Um, okay, well, the the um, the seaweeds are also, you know, have a lot of uh, antioxidants and lignans. Mm. Um, the, you know, everybody knows about antioxidants, lignans. Well, they help to they help to lower estrogen levels when they're high in women, you know, among other things. Um, all kinds of glyconutrients, which I, you know, I'm not going to go in and on and on and on about that. Um, and all the known vitamins, including B12, in significant amounts. Um, and then and then you know, so so we have but we have the minerals, which is the main thing, and then secondarily, all these seaweeds, like I was saying, they contain large percentages of uh, these sulfated polysaccharides, which have all, you know, they're responsible for a large amount of the seaweeds, you know, the minerals, and then the polysaccharides are the other major health component or what's responsible for a lot of the broad-spectrum health benefits of using seaweeds. Um, and these uh, polysaccharides are like algin, fucoidin, and laminarin, which are in the brown seaweeds, and then in the reds we have different kinds of carrageenans, agar, and uh, porphyrin. And uh, and so these these gels have got all kinds of really special qualities. Um, the 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 algin and the brown seaweeds um, help take heavy metals out of your body. They, um, you know, this has been well researched. Um, that using them regularly will, you know, increase your or increase your rate of excretion of heavy metals from your body and lower blood levels of heavy heavy metals. Um, and uh, let's see, and as well as uh, radioactive elements, which are essentially also heavy metals. And um, you know, as I I've probably explained in that last interview, uh, you know, the, we're all being, you know, we all have been exposed to massive amounts of lead from the lead and leaded gasoline for all those 80 years when we put hundreds of millions of tons of lead into our atmosphere and soil from leaded gasoline. And, you know, the average person's got a thousand times as much lead in their bones as we did a uh, hundred years ago. And uh, and then uh, you know mercury from you know seafood and dental fillings things like that. Uh, uh, and then uh, you know we ha- we're all being continually dusted with uh, radioactive iodine, which is I-131, from all the nuclear weapons facilities, uh, weapons production facilities, and as well from all nuclear power plants are regularly releasing plumes of radioactive I-131 gas, which then, you know, uh, settles down to the ground and dust and water and enters the food chain, uh, gets absorbed into people's bodies, and uh, gets concentrated in their thyroid gland, and then it breaks down and it has a relatively short half-life. And it breaks down pretty quickly, and it uh, starts irradiating the thyroid gland, uh, causing which is probably the main cause of autoimmune thyroid disease in the in the world really? today. Um, and uh, um, the the other places where it gets concentrated in the body would be in the uh, in the like in the areola of the. the nipple area of the uh, women's breast where it also 
breaks down and irradiates those tissues. And in the, like I said, in the salivary glands and in the, the ovaries and uh, testicles. And so I, I personally believe that that's a, one of the major causes of these cancers in these areas in the, in the world today. And so anyway, making sure that you, uh, you know, first of all, making sure that you have adequate iodine in your diet will help you prevent you from absorbing the radioactive iodine. And then the, the algin and the brown seaweeds also helps take, you know, uh, other heavy metals and other radioactive elements out of your body. Um, so, we, you know, uh, we're talking about, you know, different aspects of cancer prevention, you know, in that way. Uh, mineral deficiencies and heavy metal toxicities and radioactive iodine are major factors in cancer risk. So, right. Um, so anyway, uh, back to the the these gels. They they help remove heavy metals and radioactive elements from our bodies. Uh, they uh, like the. Um, the fucoidin and the brown seaweeds, um, and the carrageenans and the red seaweeds have really strong antiviral properties. Um, the, the, a lot of these uh, uh, therapeutic polysaccharides um, uh, in the like algin, uh, they they uh, and fucoidin inhibit uh, cancers and metastases in cancers that are already formed. Uh, Help prevent strokes. They uh, have blood thinning properties. Uh, reduce chronic inflammation. It, that's a you know in regular use, of the, especially of the brown seaweeds, is uh, it helps reduce chronic inflammation, and that's a broad spectrum effect. You know, we're not just talking arthritis. You know. Yeah, or even um, like heart disease or something. Well, that's what I was saying. Is chronic inflammation is they're starting to realize that it's like one of the major factors in heart disease. Right. And uh, and so chronic low-grade inflammation, you know, in uh, in uh, you know broad spectrum, what do you want to say? Anti-inflammatory effect mm-hmm. uh, and uh, reduction of. Uh, you know things like uh, high blood pressure, and you know, not only the potassium, but uh, things like uh, the let's see, it would be the laminarin and fucoidin. They tend to uh, lower blood pressure, thin the blood a little bit. Um, tend to uh, uh, lower like low density cholesterol levels. You know, improve cholesterol profile in people's blood. Uh, Seems just like the cure-all to me. Well, well, yeah, and and, and then uh, prevention and uh, even reversal of arteriosclerosis. You know, these are researched, you know, aspects of seaweed health benefits. Um, Wow. I don't know about cure-all, but um, something that can you know, help prevent chronic disease across a broad spectrum of, you know, areas, you might say. Part part of uh part of a overall you know um, natural health routine if you're doing all the other good things and adding this is huge and and so how but that that's the thing, James this is um where where we we really try to help people with is what you're saying here is you know really important and then it's um how does somebody simply incorporate uh so if i want to go wow this is great you know i i want to start incorporating these brown seaweeds start start with some brown seaweeds into my diet um what's enough you know, and in what form, um, how often to use, you know. It's just sure. like someone, someone buys some and they feel good that they bought it, but yet it sits on the shelf and it never ends in the rice dishes or, you know what I mean? Like oh, what yeah. can people do to make sure that they get a 
a um, enough in in, in what amount, you know? Because we, we, sure. we do on this site, just so you know, really stress. I mean, this isn't just a, a um, uh, just kind of a, a generic type of, like, our focus on what we do on Herb Mentor is really is really herbs and, and nourishment, basic first aid, that kind of thing. And also we're really stressing all the time as um, food is medicine, you know, and and, and uh, encouraging people to do the nourishing infusions, cook with burdock and dandelion and, you know, throw some astragalus in the pot when you're, you know, during the cold flu season, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's where we're, just so you know, we're like who, who we are. Uh, who we all are here so well we're definitely on, mind, what kinds of we're on the same page you know i mean it, it's like yeah, uh it's do it mostly with your food and lifestyle you know i mean like uh you know uh, good water and good food and you know and avoiding stress and getting lots of sleep and, and all those basic things are the those are the bottom line you know if you can't get that together forget the herbs <laughs> that's what i say yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> right on <laughs> Yeah, the herbs right. are just extra, you know. Yeah, that's what I think. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'll go, all right. Okay, I'm starting to get verification in what I'm doing here. It's great. <laughs> see, people, see, everyone, it's not just me. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, as far as putting seaweed into your diet, well, you know, the, the, the two easiest ways to start with that is to use the snackable ones, which most people can make friends with pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the kelp fronds and the sea palm. You know, some people like to snack on nori. They're 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 like salty, snackable seaweeds, you know, like kinda like eating chips or jerky or something like that, you know. So that's an easy way. And, you know, as far as kids goes, they don't usually need any encouragement to eat those, you know. They just kinda they just go for it. Usually like kids just go for it. Uh but for us, you know, I have a little bowl of kelp fronds out. And, you know, say I'm saying to myself, someone says to themselves, well, that's really salty, and, well, it's not preferred, but I'm going to do this, but it tastes fine, I can do it. But, like, how much should they make sure they have in a day? Yeah, well, in general, you know, three to five grams a day is a good average amount for, you know, ongoing dietary, nutritional, therapeutic purposes. That's probably about, you know, I mean, if you use the the Japanese diet as a as a example, you know the Japanese have got you know one of the longest lifespans, and you know they hardly have they have very very little thyroid disease or breast cancer or prostate cancer. There's probably you know there's good reason to believe that that their consumption of seaweed they have the highest consumption of seaweed per person in the world too, uh, and it has something to do with that. And you know that that's that's somewhere along the average dietary intake of the Japanese, as I understand, three to five grams a day, or you know that's about an ounce a week. Or, so this seems like um, this seems like a, a herb that you could almost actually beneficiate beneficially use as a capsule. That's the other. I mean, you know, we have a. You, you can also get like a. I'm not a capsule person, really. I've really never used them, and I don't encourage them. But it seems like this is one actually you where you would. Then I mean that that might be one that actually would work. You know, people buy like nettle capsules, and it's like, sure, what what's this for? <laughs> you know, well, it's a little bit of nettle dust. And it's like, yeah, well, I mean, it's better than nettle tincture. You know, that's like yeah, yeah, carrot, <laughs> that's like carrot tincture or something. You know, it's like yeah, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, with with seaweeds, we're definitely you know, another another easy way to use them is to get a good quality um, seaweed powder. You know, a lot of the commercial kelp powders taste kind of fishy. But, like, you know, for example, we got a mixture of kombu and wakami that's got a nice taste, and you can just kind of sprinkle it on your food. You know, that's another easy way to make sure you're getting it regularly. Um, but, no, you can also get capsules. Like, we have, we have uh, capsules like... Uh, um, a mixture of six different seaweeds in a capsule, and we have just a straight kombu, um, you know, a, a, you know, bladderack, you know, and a, a red marine algae in a capsule. But like, okay. uh, you know, the 
for a general purpose, like a sea vegetable blend or kabu is is good. And uh, and I mentioned that because folks when they when they that are out there learning this stuff, sometimes it's just a bit of a journey from hopping sure. from what they're used to in capsules or tinctures over to putting things in their food. And sure. If and, you're at you know, earlier in that progression, <laughs> you know, yeah. it might be useful to use a capsule. Well, you know, um, you know, to, to start off with, you know, that's a good way to, to make sure you're getting, you know, like, how would I put it? You know, the capsules, they cost more for what you're getting, but you can make sure that you get some with every meal every day, you know, so right. you're kind of making better use of that small amount. Exactly. And uh, exactly. so... So anyway, yeah, the the capsules are also really good for traveling and things like that, you know. Of um, course. And uh and the the convenience and you know, and, and and there again, you know, some people just they don't make they end up not making never making friends with the flavor of seaweeds, you know. Or Right. So it means can, some of them might be too can, salty. Like some people love salt, but me I'm I'm not like I never put salt on my food. I I put seaweed on my food. We make the we have like a re, we have a recipe on our mentor. Y'all can find it. It's on, you know, like a, a gamacio kind of a. Oh yeah. You know, I, I put that on everything to me, which is much better than salt, and, and it's well, salty, but it's not to me salty. Salt itself sometimes is too strong. Sure. Well, you know the 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 brown seaweeds and you know seaweeds in general, but the brown seaweeds in particular got like four or five times as much potassium salt as sodium salt. Wow. And uh and so uh you know, that's a pretty near to what's in your what's your ratio of potassium to sodium in your body. So uh, you know, when you first start eating something like kelp fronts and you think, Oh my right. gosh, that's so salty um, the thing to remember is that it's mostly potassium salt and if I remember correctly, potassium salt tastes like eight times as salty as sodium salt. So it tastes like wow, that's like really salty. But you find out after getting to know it better that you can eat a whole handful of it and not get salted out. You know, it's it's mostly right. potassium salt. And again, it, seem, it seems like some of the red seaweeds, like the dulse and the nori, are maybe more desirable to throw in rice dishes and things. I mean, I I'm looking at these ones that you separated out, and I'm looking at like wow, you know, I've used dulse and nori that I've harvested. Yeah, and they throw it in the rice dishes, and it's really nice. But um, but the brown ones, I seem to just use, you know, and more in teas or to just take. Oh, okay, well, you know, is as that far true? as is that the kind of as far as putting in with your rice, our favorite one is wakami. Oh, okay. Um, it cooks tender in about the same amount of time. You know, you just toss it in there right with the rice, and. Uh, you know, and it's kind of taste. It's it cooks into a consistency of a vegetable of its own, if you know what I'm saying. Right. And and then it the broth that cooks out of it kind of flavors up, flavors up the rice, kind of nice. Nice. Um, so you probably have all, like a whole like um, you know, I can imagine your kitchen. You must have some bunch of glass jars with all kinds of different sea vegetables in them. That you yeah, we got exactly. Yeah, that's how I kind of encourage people to cook. Is just like, yeah, keep all your herbs, keep all your nourishing herbs in your kitchen in big glass jars by the stove, and just throw a handful of this and that in at every meal. You know, you'll you'll yeah. get you'll get it all in there. Um, yeah, and, and then ones like uh, you know, like wakame or sea palm, you can just toss them in with any kind of steamed vegetables. Mm-hmm. But you toss them in if you're using a steamer, then you throw them in into the water underneath. Underneath the steamer, oh. you know, so then they'll hydrate and cook in there. And of course, you know, you know, like I don't cook them with potatoes that way because I throw the water off of the potatoes because it's got solanine in it, right? Right, right, right. But like for most other vegetables, the the water that you cook them in is really nutritional and good. Well, the same way, anything you cook seaweed in, any water you cook it in, you, you that's it's really good broth to to drink too. You know, a lot of the goodies go into the broth. Right, right. That's so, exactly. So that's 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 why it's, it's a good point. And it's like when people say to me too, like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't use herbs. I don't believe in herbs or something. And it's like, well, you don't believe in soup broth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if, if someone tells me they don't believe in herbs, I ever say, you ever drink a cup of coffee? 
<laughs> Just tell me that doesn't work. Does that work? <laughs> <laughs> That's an even better response. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> um, that's that's great because um, you know I love that 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 this is something that's so incredibly nutritious and and something that you know whole nother level of of something that you can simply use and throw in and just eat you know um when we, a, we often will when we make like an infusion in the morning of like you know nettles or oat straw or something sometimes I'll throw a few pieces of kelp in there. Is that doing something, just a few pieces of kelp? Uh, Is that enough? A lot of goodies come out. A lot of the, you know, the gels and minerals cook out of it. You know, the longer the better, really, if you're going to make a decoction, you know. Well, not even really a decoction. It's more just like, you know, I've heated my water up. I threw my, throw my nettle in the jar, an ounce of it, you know, and I fill it up with hot water, and I just let it brew for four hours. Yeah. It's more just like brewing, not so much decocting. So, Well, that's, so that's a... That's a decoction. It's just a pretty in a way, it is. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, or so that is helpful. A lot of the good stuff comes out. Sure. Okay, good, good. I just was wondering, like, what you thought about that, because that's just a little side note for myself. <laughs> yeah, because I always like do that. I, I, sometimes that's the way I kind of will get my seaweed, because I'll forget to, you know, chew on a piece of kelp fron, and it doesn't always get in the in the in the food. So I try to build it into something I'm doing already. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, so um, that's great. Um, so, so like, um, if 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 obviously we we know from listening here that if we want some amazing quality sea vegetables, we can go to NatureSpiritHerbs.com. And um, I guess my next question is. Um, just around, well, I'll throw in a couple of thoughts here, and you can kind of weave them together. Um, is that uh, one? Uh, what do we need to look out for when buying, um, you know, buying seaweeds? And you know, uh, you, you can find them, of course, in Asian groceries, and they're probably dirt cheap. Um, you know, it's kind of like when I go get astragalus, I can get a whole huge brick of it at a, at a, at a Chinese uh, herbal place for, like, next right. to nothing. But I don't know where the heck it's coming from right. um, versus buying it organic somewhere um, that I feel better about. So so it's around that. It's about what's safe. Sure. Um, you know, of course, we can go to your site, which we all recommend here, but also what else should people, you know. Right. Well, if you're going to go for um, uh, Asian sea vegetables, I would probably recommend going with... Uh, uh, sea vegetables that come from the island of Hokkaido on the northern end of Japan, which is, you know, well away from, you know, any major industrial areas. You know, a lot of a lot of Asian seaweeds aren't that clean. And, you know, I would think that if you're going to go for Japanese seaweed, which, you know, they produce a large percentage of the world's seaweed market, you know, uh, that I would stick with ones from... Hokkaido. How do you know? Oh well, they'll say so. Oh, you know because you know because they're from there, they'll advertise it because it's a a good selling point. Oh, so like uh, if, uh, going into an Asian grocery, I don't know if anyone, maybe it doesn't have these around them, but I live in a have uh, an area where there's there's quite a few Asian groceries either in Seattle or even on the east side. I can right. go into like Wajamaya, which is a Japanese grocery, and and so that's what I would look for. You know, like some kinds of nori are grown uh, on uh, nylon nets, you might say, that are stretched across bays all over uh, Japan and probably Asia in general. Um, that that I'm, I'm told that they sometimes spread chemical fertilizer, you know, in, in, across the on the water to encourage growth and so on. So they're not all they're not all you know organic or and you know and if they're if they're grown anywhere near an industrial, any major industrial areas, they're likely to be contaminated with heavy metals, and that's the main issue with seaweeds: is um, heavy heavy metal. They will concentrate heavy metals if there's a local source. But even like where pollution. you're gathering, or I'm gathering up near, way up in the say I go up in the San Juan Islands, and I'm up there, and I gather some around there, and that's where we usually go, maybe once in a year in the yeah. summer. Or 
or, or near you, are, is it a concern, the heavy metals, even like when we're just going out and wildcrafting? Um, well, uh, the thing to look out for is, like I said, you know, industrial sources of pollution. Um, there's, uh, you know, manufacturing, you know, paper mills, you know, whoever's, you know, any kind of heavy manufacturing, there's often heavy metal pollution. Um, there's uh, mining. Often, you know, mining often causes uh, some heavy metal pollution. So you got to look out as uh, uh, sources that are right at the ocean or sources that are on the river or, you know, creek or whatever that's coming down into the ocean near where you're harvesting. Um, and so so basically it's just to kind of get to know your, your place, right. you know, get to, get to find out what's going on in the area you're harvesting. Um, so if you if, so if you're someone just buying it, you probably want to look for someone like yourself who's really paying attention to those things. Right. Well, there's you know there's what about half a dozen harvesters on the west coast, and they're all pretty, you know, or I should say we're all pretty conscious that way, you know. Right. Um, there's a there's some harvesters on the east coast, and the at least like the the smaller uh, time ones over there, uh, I think they're pretty. You know, they're pretty conscientious as well. Um, and they're probably going to be up in New England and stuff. I Maine, imagine. mostly. Yeah. I, I, if I was going to get some from the East Coast, I'd be going for uh, Canadian or uh, seaweed from Canada or Maine. Right. Um, just because further south, you have so much industry. Right. I mean, that's a huge amount. So not yeah. not New Jersey. <laughs> Not New Jersey. This is fresh New Jersey seaweed. This is New York seaweed. And uh uh and then uh you know uh let's see, what else would there to be to look out for? That's that's pretty much it. They don't really concentrate much other you know, they don't concentrate pesticides or things like that. Um it's mostly heavy metal contamination. To look out for, um, and um, you know, of course, you know it is easy. You don't need a lot, and it's easy to locate. You know, because anyone listening to this, I've told you where you can go and, and get it if you're if you're not, um, you know, at nature at um, nature spirit herbs. But um, but uh, let's see. Let's say uh, you know, I someone lives on up in Maine, or they live on Northern California all the way up to Washington. Um, or uh, they want to take a trip out, and this sounds like a fun thing to explore because, you know, I took a sea vegetable class at Earthwalk Northwest, uh, and you can check that out at earthwalknorthwest.com. Who, who um, conducted it? That's Karen Sherwood. Uh-huh. And and she's a – her thing is she is real – she's she's a wild foods person. Um, she's yeah. She's a wild foods, you know – gourmet person who can do do you know she she taught at the tom brown's tracker school for oh, okay like maybe 15 years and then has had her her school with her husband frank here in, in Issaquah, washington for quite a while um and she they she grew up going summers out on um on uh in the san juans and her had a family house which she kind of uh took on and inherited and her kids go out to and she runs a uh um she'll take a class up to her her family house uh, uh, for a week, and they'll do all kinds of um, foraging and harvesting, and make uh, kelp. Um, you collect kelp, but also make uh, like pickles out of the out of oh, the, yeah. uh, whips and all that kind of stuff. Fun stuff. Um, so, where um, that that's one option. But do you run classes, or you know, as well? I I have. I mean, I I. Uh... You know, I'm a instructor for the herb farm apprentice program. They're interns. I take uh -huh. them out on plant walks and teach them about seaweeds and you know uh, some constitutional physiology um, classes. Um, but uh, I I haven't done any uh, uh, seaweed classes for the general public in some years now. I haven't. I, I don't have anything going right now. Anyhow. Does Ryan Drum do classes for folks like he, regularly? He does, and yeah. uh, that's all up there in Washington. Right, that's in not the, too far from actually where I go. Right, know, just on a more remote island on uh, Waldron, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. So he's and, still, uh, still up there doing that. 
he's yeah, he's still doing that. I mean, I heard about you know him doing a you know, uh, geez, when was that? Uh, last summer and fall, he was doing some classes. I know that. What really struck me in learning this is that um, there was only like apparently like one uh, poisonous one. Like all all of them were safe to eat except for this one. Yet you wouldn't want to eat some of them because you wouldn't like the texture. But there was one that was just obviously poisonous. Right. Right. Well, you know, in the in the the temperate north here, uh, there's basically no toxic seaweeds. There's some that'll cause digestive upset. Uh-huh. Um, you know, some that might make you throw up or get diarrhea. Mm. But but that's about it. And those yeah. ones all taste bad. Yeah. And <laughs> so you can safely go out there and start nibbling on all the seaweeds, and if they're tender enough to nibble on, and if you chew them up, you know, chew them, chew a mouthful for five or ten minutes. Uh, and if there's no bad taste, then it's good. That's yeah, good. Um, yeah, I was just amazed at how simple it was to learn. I didn't even need to take like a notebook out. It was just kind of like uh, they're, they're so distinct in look and everything, uh, like the bullwhip kelp. I mean, gosh, if you just stuck with bullwhip kelp, you can, you can get like three plants in and, and have enough for quite a while, you know. I mean, it's a... Uh, um, it was something like the somebody. I think Karen told us that like grew like something like it could grow like twenty. Is it like one of the fastest growing plants on Earth? It could grow like twenty feet in a day. Is that well, that's the giant kelp. But the giant uh, kelp. Uh, you know the, I mean that bull kelp. I mean they they can be fifty or eighty feet long. The whole plant, and they're an annual plant. You know they start right from the, you know the microscopic little filament in the springtime. You know. And they grow all the way out. It's incredible. Oh, and, uh, you just got to uh, just swim on. So that's a pretty easy one, people. If you're ever, uh, folks, if you're ever out where you know it's a clean source, and you're out there, and it's you're in a little bay or something where you see bull kelp watching watching up on the beach, just look out a bit and uh, and and see some fresh ones in the water, and just swim out and grab them and take them in. <laughs> You know, take one in anyway to experiment with. As long as you have a place to dry it, right? Um, if it's sunny out. But what, what's the best uh, time of year um, to harvest? Um, well, most of these seaweeds start growing in the early spring, and uh, you know they kind of go dormant one way or another for the winter. They they overwinter as a a crust on a rock or as a microscopic thing, or they'll just kind of uh, hang out throughout the winter as a stem mm-hmm. attached to a rock, and mm-hmm. then in the spring, you know, typically sometime in March or April, they start kind of taking off when the light levels grow, uh, uh, get long, when the days start getting longer, and then in the spring the upwelling starts happening, um, the which 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 brings colder, uh, deeper, mineral-rich water ashore. And uh, and then that's when they they start growing, and sometime sometime in May or June they're they're getting to be pretty good size and ready to to harvest, and they hold their quality. You know they're kind of um, you know hold you know growing really fast during like May June and uh, you know July, and uh, and then they start slowing down. You know. But they're still holding their quality pretty good through August. But by the end of August, the light levels have gone down, and and they're growing slower, and the wave action is starting to wear them off faster than they're growing at that point. Uh, so sometimes, you know, you can if you just want to go out and get some anytime from May through September. Really, so I always kind of like notice that when I if I going in July or so that they're starting to like the texture on some of them it looks like they're waning yet at the same time it's like if i'm going up to the san juans and harvesting um it's 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 like i need to make sure that it's sunny so it could dry at least somewhat before i could take it home otherwise i'll come home with a big (laughs) bucket of you know right it's like fresh fish you don't just leave it sitting around 
<laughs> no, no, you have to get right to it. And so, like, luckily I have friends where I can go to their place and string out a line or use their fence, you know, and string them out and get them to a point where I could take them home to the dehydrator, you know, but, uh, you know, at least dry 80% of the way. <laughs> sure, and for outdoor drying, you know, which is, you know, the easiest way to get any amount of it dried, yeah. um, May through September is about your, you know, those are the dry months anyway. And tide levels, I've noticed, make a difference. I'll go. I went out one year at the class. See, when she's doing her class, obviously she knows she's paying attention to the tide because she needs to show. But I didn't know that. And one year I go, and I'm just like, wow, all I could get is bull kelp. And I'm like, where's all that nori that we were, you know, the is it pyphorum? Pyphorum? Uh, por- porphyra. Porphyra, Uh, and uh, like I don't, you know, and so I realized, oh, I got to go, and it's like I got to look at the tide charts, which is, and you know, which is going to reveal different levels of where this, where they're hanging out, right? Sure. Yeah, Yeah, the tide table is the easiest way. Yeah. Um, And uh, you know, and uh, the the lowest tides are in you know May, June, July. And, right. You know, there's another that they get low again around the winter solstice, but then the seaweed's not in very good shape at that point. No. So, no. Uh, as a rule, uh, the three four days after the new or full moon is, you know, is the first day where the low tide is late enough in the morning that it's, you know, a, a reasonable time to harvest. You know, if it, uh, right at new moon and full moon, the low tide is usually right around 6 a.m., and so by the time it gets light, the tide's starting to come in. But don't yeah. just gather off the beach, right? Get it live plants well, are either out there. Well, as a rule, if you find it washed up on the beach, it's because it, 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 it's been out in the ocean for a while. It's, it's washed off the rocks. It grows on rocks. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's always attached to rock where it grows. And the, right. You know, the waves can wash it off, and then it washes up on the beach. First get to know what the live, healthy seaweed looks like on the rocks. Then if you see some washing up on the beach, you can look at it look at it, and recognize, well, you know, is this, does this look old and tattered or battered or whatever, or does it look like it just washed off a rock somewhere? Right, exactly. Okay. And if it's been washed up into the sand, then there's a whole other issue is, is like, um, Seaweed harvesting is a lot like a picnic at the beach. The whole trick is keeping the sand out of the sea. And and you know what? I should probably mention this too. A trick that I just can't, I just remembered was that uh, if you do have some something to wash off your seaweeds before you take them back, wash it off in salt water, not fresh water, right? Right. Yeah. As soon as you dip some of these seaweeds, as soon as you put them in fresh water, they start to go. You know they start to die, but then there's also the simple fact that um, these seaweeds, you know, they have these gels that they can concentrate minerals out of seawater quite efficiently. But you put them in fresh water, and the the minerals start washing out of it really quick. Right. So, you know, unless you're trying to reduce the minerals in your seaweed, um, it's not a good idea. So, um, so then, uh, so if we're out on on there, we're not even let's just sit, you know maybe we're maybe we're out camping on the islands or somewhere we're at a beach or whatever. And we see some seaweeds, and uh, you know we can of course uh, even if we're doing some camping on the beach, we could probably harvest some and put it in what we're eating or, or whatever. And I'm just trying to think if we're out there, we're not necessarily collecting, collecting, but. Um, there's some like topical uses too. Let's say you get hurt or you get a cut or you're out there or you're or um or something. Uh isn't there like uh, is it the is it the bladder whack, the uh, little poppers, is that is that right? Right, it's got the the, the gel filled bladders. That, and is that yep. gel helpful for things if you're out there? Well, you know that all these seaweeds um are are full of these gels, these polysaccharides. And those polysaccharides, polysaccharides is what makes aloe vera good on burns and skin. And uh, basically, it's the same action. Is that um, they're and uh, that's what marshmallow. That's what makes that slimy. 
is polysaccharides, these gels. And uh, the gels are all emollient. They make your skin soft topically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in seaweed, you got all these minerals. So, you know, people use seaweeds for bath therapy and do facials and body wraps and all these things for uh, skin um, purposes and for also for anti-inflammatory, you know, if they do seaweed baths. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as, like, uh, putting on burns, uh, just to take some powdered seaweed and mix it with a little water, or you can take uh, some, you can, uh, that's probably the best way to do it. Uh, but then you can also take, uh, you could take fresh seaweeds and bind them on. But the, 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 you got to like the, to try to get the gel out of the seaweed one way or another and onto the skin, and that's where bladderwrack is so easy. You can just take a bladder and squeeze out that clear gel. It looks like you know it's just like use it just like aloe vera gel on burns, things like that. I, yeah, I, I think I had some and, sunburn. And what those and what those things do, and they ha- they have action. It's kind of like honey. Hmm. These uh, these uh, gels is they have um, they're hygroscopic. They draw water toward them, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and so basically, you know, in the case of seaweed, you have not only the gels but all the salts and minerals that pulls water, pulls water out through your skin. And in the case of a burn, what that means is you're reducing the fluid buildup, the edema. Ah. And then you're replacing the stagnant fluids. What you got with a burn is all these stagnant fluids kind of pooling up around the cells, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're not being supplied with food and not having their waste taken away. So when you put a, a gel on there like that or honey or aloe vera gel or seaweed gel or powdered seaweed, it's pulling fluids out through the skin, helping relieve the edema, and then mineral or you know nutrient-rich fluids replace it so you're you're keeping all those cells uh more well fed and well taken care of so the healing process can go faster but it's a simple i mean a lot of it's a simple mechanical action of pulling fluids out of and course is it, with, and, and the atlantoin and the comfrey do the same thing well that has other that has other properties that that um that apparently uh Stimulates the the cell cell growth and so on uh, by fooling the body into thinking there's more tissue damage than there actually is. Oh, yeah. I never knew that. Um, but uh, but the uh, with the seaweeds, there's also the anti-inflammatory effects. You know, of the, the these gels and uh, and. Um, there's, you know, a, to some degree, I'm sure, also a nutritional effect. You know, just having, you know, all this nutritional, uh, you know, bringing nutrition topically, you might say. Um, and then, uh, you know, I don't know if they still do anymore, but I know that for a long time that, that kelp was used as a wound packing in hospitals for, like, bullet wounds and other nasty, nasty wounds. They pack pack uh, like a powdered kelp and you know rehydrated powdered kelp into these these wounds. Just take some kelp, put it in some water, and it and it reconstitutes. Probably in what a matter of how long? Fre- fresh water, okay, then at that point, right? Yeah. And and then now, recon- if, if you uh, you know get a bullet wound, I definitely recommend going to the hospital and not trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, but I'm just saying like, for your own wound. We were talking about car powdered kelp before, and so I was thinking, like, I would take some, like, a, a small handful of it and reconstitute it with some water, and then I could use that on a burn or a wound. Sure. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, like, if I collected a, so if I, so, so say if I had a burn on my arm, it was a small, you know, smallish burn or something, and um, if I collected some kelp and then I have larger pieces, you know? And, right and and I reconstitute that, then I would be able to actually just to wrap that whole thing around the burn, wouldn't I, around my arm or something? You could, but the it doesn't ne- doesn't necessarily bring the gel into contact with your skin so well. Mm. 
I think you'd be better off with a reconstituted powdered seaweed or if you put that fresh seaweed in the blender with just a little bit of water. Okay. And then okay. and then apply it. Okay. Oh, that's great to know. Or, you know, in the in if you were out in the ocean side, I'd chew a little bit of it up and apply it if it's not something you can squeeze gel out of. So so now anyone who's doing any uh, outdoor activity or hiking or doing a camping trip in an ocean area now knows that you you know you don't need your your plantain and your other herbs uh, that you might normally look for in a first aid situation that you have all around you the sea greens that can um, that can help you that's great yeah um, seaweeds are also the gels from them are used in a lot of uh, high-end cosmetics for skin care things like that and ice cream well, uh, yeah, I mean, the the the, the um, elgin and uh, carrageenan have are used industrially for um, for all sorts of you know food you know making uh, keeping ice cream from crystallizing, for example. But I can only imagine where that's coming from. <laughs> or for, for the head, a better head on beer. For uh, oh, <laughs> you know, instead of using enough malt, they'll add. Uh, you know, uh, carrageenan, I believe, to improve the foam quality on beer, for example. And that uh, seaweed's probably not coming from the best of sources. Well, I have no idea about all that. That's, That's I don't know where all those are being harvested nowadays, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, but anyway, these... these uh, um, most people are getting some form of seaweed in them uh, every day, whether they know it or not, in the form right, of right. you know food additives. Food additives. It's probably one of the better you. the better food additives uh, we've got. Right, but that isn't giving them the you know the same nutrition as you know incorporating some kelp or wakame or kombu in your diet. Right. So so that's a whole other thing. Yeah. You so, know that's. So you know another, you know another whole aspect of the the seaweeds that I um, talked about earlier, uh, you know, was also that the, uh, the the that I didn't talk about earlier, I should say, was the the red seaweeds um, like uh, gigartina and a number of other of these red seaweeds got uh, kinds of uh, carrageenans in them that have distinct antiviral and antiherpetic qualities mm-hmm. that you know people who use them regularly often get less herpes outbreaks either kind one or two uh, uh, less or less severe outbreaks you know and so on and so there there's a, a lot of people using them for that purpose as well uh, and and to a lesser degree for other viruses you know like colds and flu and things like that they they also tend to inhibit those but the it's most specifically for uh, uh herpes uh, sufferers that's a whole another aspect of uh seaweed therapeutics because of the antiviral properties right right now um you know something popped in my mind too something i actually did two nights ago is uh woke up in the middle of the night with a sore throat and in addition to uh, just chopping on a little garlic to get that in my system, you know, go back to bed, I just chewed on a couple of kelp pieces, which was also soothing for the throat. Oh, all those gels, again. Yeah, yeah so that's a good, um, you know, people, what about a bad sore throat? Chew on some kelp. Sure. Um, marshmallow tea is good that way, too. You know, it's just soothing mucilage, uh, exactly. polypacarides. But you know me, like I sometimes refer to myself as the lazy herbalist. You know, I'm looking for something I can just... <laughs> That's right. I don't want to... Just chew on a marshmallow root. If I'm three in the morning, I'm just kidding. Now, 50 or 100 years ago, when they made marshmallows with marshmallow root, you could have just popped a marshmallow in your mouth, right? <laughs> exactly. I know. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> so, uh, you know, James... Um, some point we'll have you back on here to talk about some other things like um, wild crafting and, and whatnot because you do so much and I recommend people go to Nature Spirit Herbs and and um, check out the 
you, you can learn everyone so much by going to a site like James's at Nature Spirit Herbs and downloading his catalogs, and not just for the purpose of looking and shopping, but also, you know, when you look at it, the herbal compound or the salves or the tinctures, um, look at, now I really recommend people do this anywhere, always look at the, uh, what are, what's he putting in those, like if you see a certain um, uh, salve for, for a certain reason, you know, what herbs are in there um, and what's he choosing and then it's great then to look those herbs up and, and, and just try to match those properties, you know, it's, 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 it's part of the learning process where you can really delve in there and I love James, you're your catalogs, you know, because I, because, because it's so different when I know that you and Kari are making these remedies, and you're also harvesting the herbs that are going in the remedies, and um, and and to just know that you're involved in the process from start to finish is really awesome, very special, and I'm really impressed with your catalog. Um, and uh, so, let's see. At some point, yeah, we can get back and talk about some of. Some of that stuff, uh, which I which I'd really like to do. I, um, I should also mention that also on our website we have several articles by uh, Dr. Ryan Drum on you know seaweeds, therapeutic uses of seaweeds, and uh, uh, in particular, he's probably the one of the world's foremost uh, authorities on thyroid function and dysfunction, you know, thyroid disease and health and thyroid health, I should say. We have several of his articles um, posted in our website and uh, invaluable uh, information that you, won't, you can't find in very many places. Uh, and and I'm not I'm not and so folks I'm not posting that on Herb Mentor. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have a link, as you see below this where you where you where you downloaded this file, uh, this MP3, uh, a link to James's site. So then that gets you over there and you can check out his cataloging and check out these articles. And there's also a great uh, Sea Vegetables for Food and Medicine article by Ryan Drum as well. Um, and so download that, take a look at that. Um, so, yeah, I just, that's uh, very inspirational, you know, also for folks to go over there and see a family doing this professionally. And, you know, you, you, you at some point you start, how long have you, have you been, playing with plants your whole life or at some point you just well you know i mean i first got interested in plants when i was still in grade school uh -huh. so i kind of found what i like to do early on um but we started our business we moved out to oregon uh in 1989 and uh, in 1990 we started our 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 business major spirit herbs um you know and uh it was pretty pretty small business you know, but over the years, it just kind of, kind of, uh, you know, at, at this point now, we're, we're, uh, you know, that's that's all the work we do is our business. We we don't have other jobs or whatever like that, you know. Right, right. Well, that's what's happening for me too. I just slowly is turning into find your passion and your niche in this great herbal. There's such a need. There there's so many big companies and so many, you know, once you kind of are in the know of the importance of that kind of more like micro herbalist, if you will. I don't know if I just coined that expression, <laughs> but, but it's really important <laughs> to know, you know, to know like because you're uh, from the that, that that your herbs like that that you know just to know that you're involved in the whole process is huge. If I'm going to purchase or or or, or buy uh, wildcrafted herbs, I mean, because it's it's really you know it's just just like how all of a sudden organic doesn't mean like what it used to. Right. You know, and now people are looking for those local sources. So as if you're listening and you, you become that local herbalist um, in your area uh, and you're the one harvesting the herbs in your area, you're really doing a service to your community because as time's going on, like this is really needed to have that person who really understands the plants of your area and knows how to use them in a way that can help people. So it's um, there's there's always room for <laughs> for people to take their passions into the world and, and and make a living out of it. You know, it takes a lot of work, but it's you know what what doesn't <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's right. Um, so if if I'm travel if I'm in the uh, air in the summer in the uh, in Washington Oregon area, do, uh, of course I I saw your table at the Northwest Herb Fest, um, which you can find out at Cheryl Tilner does that at herbaltransitions.com I think is her site. Um, 
Are there other places you frequent that people can meet you? Uh, let's see. But, um, I'll, I'll, I'll be doing some kind of classes at uh, the Brighton Bush Herbal Conference this fall. Yes, I want to go there this year. Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> the date offhand. Right. But I'll Usually be doing um, I'll be doing some some classes uh, over there. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Well, I'll meet up with you next there then. I think because I'm going to try to be a participant this year there. I you know really I keep missing it and I really want to go. It's a it's a really nice place. I don't know if, I don't know if you've ever been up there, but yeah, yeah, I did actually. Uh, my wife and I recently. Uh, had the, the first time we've ever been away from our kids in eight years, you know, we had somebody watch our watch the, to volunteer to watch the kids for the weekend, you know, and, and, and we went uh, down there on a, on a, a getaway, which was great, you know. Good choice. Early winter. Oh yes, yeah, always our first <laughs> choice. <laughs> the best place in the world, and as far as the Northwest, anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, any any like maybe Oregon Country Fair? Do you do that or any of those kinds of things? I I don't. I'm usually it, I'm almost always harvesting seaweed that weekend. It seems. Mm. Um, oh, that, that's a good answer. <laughs> you know, during the month of June, July, and August, I don't get to my you know my my tide table is my calendar. You know, so I don't get to do too many other things in those in that time of year. Right, right, right. So well then. You can see James at Brighton Bush uh, Herbal. You can just uh, Google Brighton Bush uh, um, Hot Springs, and they will eventually have their calendar up for 2008, I'm sure, and and, uh, that's a great herbal conference. And uh, if you get to Northwest Herb Fest, um, if Cheryl's continuing to do it, then, um, um, of course, there is a great spot. Probably Um, be there, too, if she does it again. If she does it again, yeah. I might be at my folks' uh, uh, this visiting the East Coast this summer uh, during those that time area. If she does it during the same couple of weeks, um, I might miss it, but I'll be there if I can. Um, and then once again, to just you know to finish up here, uh, NatureSpiritHerbs.com is where you want to go and um, read some great articles and check out uh, James and Kari's um, harvested goods and and and, and amazing um, uh, formulas and, and salves and things that they make. Very very cool stuff. Um, so, James, thanks so much for talking with us and sharing your experiences and, uh, and and knowledge and wisdom, and we really appreciate that. And we'd love to have you on again. And um, gosh, I look forward to catching up with you again sometime. Well, thanks for asking me. Hey, thank you. And and like I said, and, and I'm sure that we'll uh, be have you on again. It was awesome. Thanks a lot. Herb Mentor Radio on HerbMentor.com is a production of LearningHerbs.com. Visit LearningHerbs.com for free herbal lessons, including Herb Mentor News, Home Remedy Secrets, and Supermarket Herbalism. You'll also find the Herbal Medicine Making Kit and our board game Wildcraft. Herb Mentor Radio. Copyright LearningHerbs.com. All rights reserved. Thanks so much for listening.